Welcome to the Football Pink podcast, hosted by Roddy Cairns. The Football Pink is a website, magazine and documentary podcast series bringing you long-form stories and nostalgia from across the world of football. skim of the lyrics of Bob Marley, or even just the titles of the songs in his back catalogue, shows you that the idea of freedom was central to his ethos in both music and life. This was perfectly summed up by his famous quote, Emancipate yourselves from mental slavery. None but ourselves can free our minds. Marley most famously freed his mind through music, becoming reggae's greatest ever son despite his untimely death in 1981 at the age of just 36. But outside of his songs, the great man found another form of mental emancipation through his other true love, football. Marley once described the beautiful game as a whole world, a whole universe to itself, followed by the line that best summed up his thoughts on the sport. Football is freedom. Born in the rural Jamaican region of Nine Mile, Marley experienced a variety of hardships growing up in what was a generally volatile and poverty-stricken area, further complicated by the fact that he was mixed race. From an early age, football was seen as an outlet through which Marley could express himself. But beyond being an outlet for self-expression, playing football also fostered a necessary toughness in Marley and his childhood friends, as Football Pink contributor Matt Leslie recalls. After a move to Trenchtown in Kingston at the age of 12, Bob joined the Boys Town team which kept him away from the violence that swept through Trenchtown. However, matters on the pitch could at times be just as violent, and it was whilst riding these challenges on the sandy pitches of Trenchtown that a childhood friend claims that Marley was first given his tough gong nickname, because much like the lyrics of his song years later, the only way to survive on those pitches was to get up and stand up. The toughness these games instilled in Marley would stand him in good stead for the rest of his life, as would his love of playing with the ball. There are mixed reports as to just how good Marley was at football, ranging from near-professional level to mere enthusiastic amateur, but, perhaps fortunately for the millions of fans that still listen to his music today, his skills on the pitch always came second to music. Nevertheless, Marley ensured that football remained a central part of his life. One of the results of Marley's incredible musical success, which brought reggae and ska to the ears of mainstream audiences around the world, was that world tours inevitably followed. In amongst the drums and guitars, the amps and the basses that filled his tour buses, there was always a ball. Pickup games were a regular occurrence at each venue, as Marley challenged local teams, reporters looking for an interview, and even fellow performers to a match. And in the absence of any of those, well, the Jamaican was even known to be content with just playing by himself, doing keepy-ups to relax him before gigs. When he and the Whalers were confined to their hotel room, they would instead turn to the game of Moneyball. Explaining the game, Bob's friend Neville Garrick said, Moneyball is the ball we play in the hotel, so we juggle it. And why it named Moneyball is if you break anything, you have to pay for it. 
It becomes more and more apparent with each story that football was not a choice for Marley and those who travelled with him, but a prerequisite. One of the most famous of these pickup games came during his stay in London. Despite living just minutes from Stamford Bridge, Marley instead preferred the fields that made up Battersea Park. Accompanied by his band, the Whalers, Marley would challenge local teams they met there, with one such occasion being captured by photographer Adrian Boot as the band took on a team made up of Island Records employees. His shots became some of the most famous images of Marley, with his M-branded tracksuit tucked into his socks and iconic Copa Mundials on his feet. A fashion and cultural icon in many respects, Marley was often photographed in football shirts, including a nonce jersey featuring the huge Europe One sponsor, an Adidas Brazil shirt, a country with which he often felt a special connection, and perhaps most bizarrely, a Hamburg shirt reportedly given to him by Kevin Keegan. The thought now of a global superstar roaming the parks of London looking for a game of football feels almost unthinkable. But through Marley's tours, this was simply the norm. For him, these games were exercises of fitness, relaxation and fun. Although I'm sure a few of the games would have maintained the physical edge he had learned from his time at Boys Town. While London and his native Jamaica would form the main bases for Marley and his pickup games when not touring, it was in South America that his true football passion lay. Marley was a Santos supporter, his inspiration for following that side coming partly from his manager, the former Jamaican internationalist Alan Cole, whose career included a stint in Brazil with Nautico, and partly, as so many others were, from the mercurial talents of the great Pele. On the international stage, with Jamaica failing to qualify for the World Cup until 17 years after Marley's death, the reggae star lent his support to Pele's Brazil. But Marley's Brazilophilia ran deeper than just football. His friend Neville Garrick claims that for Marley, it was the samba football and the flair of those Brazil sides that drew him in. Few nations' style of play is designed to mimic a rhythmic dance, and so it seems fitting that one of music's greats would follow a nation that plays with such an identity. Off the field too, Marley was drawn to the Brazilian way of life. As his eldest daughter, Sadella Marley, explained, Brazil contained the music, the culture, the food and the women. And she later said that it kind of feels like a little bit of Jamaica. And I think that was what just made him love that country. Argentinian football also appeared to catch Marley's attention following the 1978 World Cup in the South American country. With a tour of North America and Europe planned for that year, Marley ensured that the dates were scheduled as such that he would be able to watch the tournament. After the Argentinians won the cup, Marley was said to be enamoured by how they played, and so when Argentinians Ricky Villa and Ozzy Ardiles arrived at Tottenham the following season, the reggae star had a new team to follow. While there are no official records or photos of Marley at a Tottenham game, Ardiles has since said that he knew Marley was a Spurs fan. So Marley had openly supported two national teams, with a combined seven World Cups between them. Was the Jamaican a bit of a glory hunter? Probably. But it also appears that he was attracted to teams who played the game a certain way. Perhaps the beautiful exuberance of Brazil's talented players, their rhythm and fluidity, spoke to the musician in him. Meanwhile, Argentina's well-drilled and resilient 1978 team, all grit and steel, perhaps reminded Marley of his tough upbringing on the pitches of Trenchtown. Whilst the Jamaican national team, the Reggae Boys, never reached the World Cup during Marley's lifetime, they did manage to make it to the big show when they qualified for France 98. Wins against El Salvador, K1, 
Canada and Costa Rica on the home stretch had given the Jamaicans a fighting chance, before successive draws against Mexico and El Salvador in the final two matches sealed qualification. The following day was declared a national holiday. Led by Brazilian coach René Shimoesh, and with a squad containing the likes of Marcus Gale, Ricardo Gardner and Frank Sinclair, the reggae boys did their island homeland proud in France. A narrow opening defeat against tournament dark horses Croatia and a more convincing reverse against Argentina were followed by a famous 2-1 victory over Japan, with current national team manager Theo Whitmore grabbing two fine goals from midfield to send the Caribbean side home with their heads held high. The reggae boys had brought colour and fun to the tournament, their striking yellow and green kits and distinctive saltire flag having lit up Lens, Paris and Lyon across three group stage matches. Somehow, you got the feeling Bob Marley would have approved of the whole spectacle. Despite the love of football that was so evident from his frequent pick-up games and determination not to miss the biggest matches, Marley always maintained that he was a musician first. So, of all of Marley's links to football, it is likely that the one he would have been most proud of is the way in which one of his most famous songs has become synonymous with one of football's biggest clubs. In July 2008, at the Cardiff City Stadium, Cardiff and Ajax had just drawn 0-0 in a drab and at times ill-tempered pre-season friendly. Boisterous as always, the travelling Ajax fans were unhappy at being asked to stay in the stadium for a period of time after the full-time whistle, and so in an effort to calm things down, the stadium DJ Ali Yassin started to play Marley's Three Little Birds. Yassin's choice of song proved a hit, as the Dutch fans began belting the song out loudly, seeming to enjoy this sing-along more than the game they had just witnessed. From that moment on, the song grew more and more into the consciousness of the Ajax fans at the Johan Cruyff Arena with its soothing tones and joyful lyrics offering an incredible juxtaposition to the ferocity and anxiety that can come with supporting your team. To this day, the song is still sung by the Ajax faithful, and tifos of Marley adorn sections of the support during games. For a man who loved football, and a certain kind of football at that, he would likely have been proud that such an illustrious club would adopt one of his songs as their own. Whilst Marley's untimely death means that he never saw the impact that his music has on Ajax fans today, the family have been able to enjoy the special place he holds in the lore of the Amsterdam club. Kaimani, the second youngest of Marley's 11 children, visited the Johan Cruyff Arena in 2018 and led the home fans in a rendition of Three Little Birds. To be able to hear so many people at the Ajax stadium at halftime sing Three Little Birds, Kaimani said, would mean so much to him. Kaimani's father may never have been able to witness the song reverberate around the Dutch capital, but for Kaimani, Ajax will now always have a special place in his heart. It's Ajax. That's my team. From now until the day my number is called.
Tremani is not the only Marley child to have kept their finger on the footballing pie. His older sister, Sadella Marley, has played an important part in Jamaican football that would surely have made her late father proud. Jamaica may never have enjoyed much global footballing success during her father's lifetime, but Sadella has set out to change that. Upon finding out in 2014 that the Jamaican women's national team, nicknamed the Reggae Girls, was disbanded due to a lack of funding, Sadella injected her own money to allow them to come together again and also became a global ambassador for the team. To the dismay of Sadella and so many other women in Jamaica, failure to qualify for the 2015 Women's World Cup meant yet another cut in funding. But undeterred, more money was raised by Sadella, and against all odds, the Reggae Girls rose to earn a place at the 2019 Women's World Cup. Sadella said that her only goal was to give the women on the team the opportunity to do something they really loved. With her help and support, the women's game in Jamaica is now reaching a stage where all women can be afforded similar opportunities in football, as talks have begun about a national women's league. Daddy would have been the girls' number one supporter, Sadella told Bleacher Report. And like he said, football is freedom, and the girls are actually now free to play this beautiful game. So it is that, almost 40 years after his death, Bob Marley's presence can still be felt in the game. And thanks to his undying passion, his family look likely to continue that legacy. You have been listening to the Football Pink podcast. For more stories like this one, please subscribe to the podcast and visit footballpink.net.